Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Great to have your company for our final hour here on the Captain's Run on this Friday morning. Well, the Socceroos, they split their welcome home tour in the end. 1-1 with Ecuador, a 3-1 win in Sydney was followed by a 2-1 defeat in Melbourne. But as we wave goodbye to the national team, we narrow our focus on the national competitions in the A-League. Well, they got a big one tonight. It's third place Western Sydney hosting second place Adelaide United and Channel 10 and Paramount Plus's football expert Andy Harper is back with us on a Friday. Morning to you, Andy. Hope you've been well. Morning, Sam. I've been exceedingly well, mate. How about yourself? I expect nothing less from you. I cannot complain. It's Friday. You can never complain on a Friday is my my philosophy mm. with these things. Hey, Western Sydney aren't complaining either. In fact, they haven't been in the finals reckoning since Tony Popovich left. How are we to assess, well, what can only be described as a resurrection this season, Andy? Yeah. Uh, long overdue one. They've fiddled and farted around the Wanderers in trying to get a coach who can, who can lead the team uh, towards the top of the table. They've had a lot of failed attempts, but um, Mark Rudan, Marco Rudan, sorry, I'm still getting used to saying that. Yeah. I apologise. Um, has done a, a sensational job, and they're perched you know, really nicely. The form team in the comp, notwithstanding how well Adelaide are going also, and it does pick the two together tonight, and it's certainly a blockbuster. I cannot wait for it. Um, but the Wanderers in great shape, and as players to resume after the international break in the A-League, You'd have to say the Wanderers are favourites to win it going into this round. Now, of course, everything can change after 90 minutes. But as uh, we lead up to kickoff tonight, 7.45 out at Parramatta, the Wanderers are the competition favourites on form. So Marco, Marco as would appear to have ironed out, you know, what would you describe them? Long-standing issues that they've had up there? I think there's a whole pile of issues. Um, you know, there's a lack of uh, a lack of focus and identity crisis. Um uh, a lot of this stuff then became enmeshed in the fact that the team was playing away from what is now a fantastic stadium, Combank Stadium in Parramatta. But during that redevelopment, uh, the team were not quite Western United-style um, travelling Woolbury's, but they just were homeless, uh, playing out uh, um, in the Homebush precinct where the Aussie Rules team plays. Was was just a ghost town. It just didn't work. Um, a couple of other grounds besides didn't work, um, and this was all being fueled by a team that wasn't working. And it just was a perfect storm. You know, Tony Popovich uh, left, um, and then the team crumbled, and then they didn't have a home. And it was just a horrible concoction, really. Um, moving back to Parramatta didn't ease the problems, but it got the focus back on the club and re-identifying with itself. Uh, and Marco Rudan has come in after a slowish start last year and was given the nod uh, by the chairman and owner, and he's just been brilliant this year. He's recruited really well, mm. and all this gets down to recruitment. You know, you, you, you pick players off a CV, and you really know if they're going to work. Uh, it's a bit of a Hail Mary. Any game, any coach, any league of football, but... Um, 
Uh, he's worked it beautifully, and there's only been a couple that haven't delivered, and he's been able to move them on. Basically, the package is very, very convincing, and they're flying at the moment. I know we've spoken about Melbourne City a bit, and, and so well we should because they're top of the league, but one, one aspect of it, obviously, lost their manager. Uh, Paddy Kisnorbo went over to France. Rado Vitisic obviously takes over, been around since forever, a, a no-fuss manager. It just probably mm. been, I, I don't know, from the outside looking in almost underplayed, just their ability mm. to be able to march on. Yeah, so look, I, I, that's what I think too. I think, um, and I've said, you know, one of the one of the things I'm most excited about what what's happened with the team is for Rado, that given the expectation that that the team might find it difficult without this very strong personality, Patrick Kuznorbo, who's led the dressing room, who's built the modern incarnation of the dressing room, um, in his wake, there was an expectation that maybe Rado wouldn't be able to keep. The, the train on the tracks and and you know it's it's not a 100% facsimile nor would you expect it to be but he has kept the train on the tracks ostensibly with a team built by his predecessor uh, and he's been able to tinker with the available players not not recast the mold and that's not an easy thing to do particularly with the expectations around Melbourne City and what they've already achieved so uh, I think it's, it's a wonderful achievement from Rado people are waiting as you do as people do as fans do as pundits do in this environment, you are waiting for that train indeed to fall off the tracks, but there's no sign mm. it's going to at the moment, and it speaks volumes for both the coach and the organisation behind him. Speaking of Channel 10 football expert Andy Harper, Andy, before I get your thoughts on the on the Socceroos, obviously the A-League women, they're into their final weekend. Now, I wanted to zero in on Western United for a moment. Obviously, in their, their debut season, they've been on top every week, I, th- I think since the start of the season, but they've had a little late-season blip here. Now, they lost two of their last three, and I think the last of them was a, a 3-0 drubbing uh, to Canberra at home. So are they getting a, a, the late-season wobbles here? I don't know that they're necessarily getting the late-season wobbles, but what, what you tend to find in the A-League women's competition year on year is that because up until now, and it's about to expand and grow into a full home-and-away mm. competition, but the A-League women's competition has, not so much this year, but previously uh, been a sprint rather than a marathon. Um, and it's less of the case this season, but there's still an element to that. And the point I'm trying to make is that um, because of a lack of consistency, stability year on year in the playing squads, there's a lot of chopping and changing. It can often take teams five, six, seven weeks to actually get themselves going. Um, what you have with Western United was pretty much a cut and paste playing squad out of Calder United in Melbourne, Melbourne's WNPL, Victoria's WNPL, uh, with some very important additions. But 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 the organisation had a degree of stability around it, got into A-League women's and hit the ground running. Sydney FC are in that discussion as well. Um, Melbourne City to a lesser extent. There's not many of the other teams that have that consistency of playing roster year on year. So what you're finding this year is a little bit longer competition. Um, Some clubs actually just finding their mojo a third, two thirds of the way through the comp and and, and become a more challenging proposition. Yeah. Canberra, a great discussion at the moment. There was a time they lost back-to-back games 5-0 there were two or three games. I think they'd accrued 14 or 15 goals against and not many four. And one of those losses was against a 5-0 hammering against the last place, Wellington. Now Canberra are on the cusp of making the finals. They've been able, through through the availability of extra games, to discover themselves. Um, so, so Western United now, having had a flying start, have come against some of these teams that have actually built a little bit of a, an organisation around themselves to challenge... Australian women's clubs around the competition is to make sure they don't have to unpack the whole thing and rebuild it 
season on season because you have this phenomenon emerging. Um, but I think with a full home and away season next year, we'll, we'll be able to see the more consistent clubs actually dominating a bit more from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. So, Andy, how are we to assess the Socceroos' pair of games against Ecuador, do you think? So it finishes with with a 2-1 loss uh, down here on, mm. on the Tuesday night. What did, what did you make of it in the wash-up? Yeah, I thought it was extraordinarily fun to watch. I thought they were a great contest. It was fantastic football. And excellent for the fans. That's the first point. The second point is I thought it was a really worthwhile exercise um, from a Socceroos viewpoint. Some of the performances were excellent. I really, as we said last week, I, 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 I liked the balance of the squad that Graham Arnold selected. And I liked the way he moved players through the two games so that, so that uh, newer guys could get a taste and, and could get a taste and an opportunity to show what they were made of. Uh, but within the scaffolding of, of some experience that can help steady the ship and show those younger, less experienced players through. So I thought the mix was right. I thought the games were great. I thought some of the performances were fantastic. Aidan O'Neill, speaking about Melbourne City, looks completely ready to me again for, for, for the serious top-flight football. And Melbourne City has provided that. The A-League has provided that. And I think the A-League has come out again, yet again, with a very, very good reflection on its ability to produce a high-level high competition and environments that are good enough to keep players at that level. Craig Good was outstanding. Brandon Brello was outstanding. Aidan O'Neill was, was simply outstanding in that first game, in the winning game. So, so many positives to come out of it, um, but also with some lessons. You know, um, Ecuador just monstered the Socceroos in the second half. Um, mm. And, you know, this this actually challenges one of the stereotypes of Australian football and, and Australian national teams that we re- rely on physicality. And, and actually we don't. And actually we don't have a mortgage on physicality. It's not our, the only card in our hand. Um, and conversely, there are plenty of other teams who have that card and can play it as well, as we saw with Ecuador. I thought they were fantastic. I thought as an, as an exercise in actually opening up Australian sports fans to football beyond South American football, beyond Argentina and Brazil and, and our own personal experience with Uruguay, just how good these guys are, despite the fact that they're not household names. They're fantastic players. And it was a great contest with great lessons learned and some, and some reputations affirmed. I thought it was excellent. Now, that's the positive. I want to ask you about a negative, though, because you had a fair old crack at the referee in this game, not not exclusively yeah. for the decisions that he made or didn't make even, but more to do with the medical staff not being allowed on to, to check on Bailey Wright specifically after he had a, a head knock. Well, I, I, I guess I did. I guess the referee, well, I'm not a guess. The referee was the recipient of my, my reaction to that, um, which was a strong one, and I don't resolve from it. I've been to... This whole concussion thing, in a contemporary sense, mm. is front and centre. Certainly, the Australian news. Yeah. Um, but but we've been we've been talking about it. Uh, well, I know I have for thirty years, and I'm not I'm not jumping on now. I've been uh, deeply interested in this issue for for thirty years, from my own playing experience, and then for my observations. And and if I could just open the lens a little bit, I'm not backing away from the comments I made at all. Uh, nor, nor the, emo- the emotion which underpinned those comments. But uh, you pull the lens back a bit and, and actually the problem is that the game hasn't come to terms with this on a global level. I don't think we've done enough locally, but locally we're a mile ahead of where football is globally. And, and partly that's because, well, largely I would say, uh, that's because most, the vast majority 
of the rest of the world doesn't indulge themselves in collision sports to the extent that we do with our football games. So concussion is less of an, in, in, uh, less of an issue for many of the football countries around the world because they don't watch it on their televisions uh, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday through Aussie Rules and Rugby League and, and Rugby Union. These collision sports, now football is a contact sport, but it's not overtly a collision sport. And so that whole issue hasn't really permeated across the breadth of the football world. So in defence of the Korean referee, you know, this is perhaps not something to which they're overtly sensitive. The game needs to take that responsibility away. Um, on the issue with Bailey Wright, mate, I was gutted. It was clear. And when you know Bailey Wright, to the extent that I do, the fact that he doesn't immediately retake his feet yeah. um, is, is the warning sign for me. But you look at the video, to which the referee wasn't privy, so that's in defence of him. He didn't actually see the head contact necessarily. And the video doesn't show exactly that at that point of contact, you could see. And this is where the game needs to embrace video technology. Someone should be watching for these things and piping the information to the sideline. That I've just seen on the video, you can't hide it. In this case, there was a knock to Bailey Wright's head and he very clearly had a concussive exercise. Then the fact that he didn't retake his feet, if anyone knows Bailey Wright, it's a red flag. Now, the Korean referee doesn't know Bailey Wright. He probably has, he certainly hasn't seen the video and he mightn't have actually seen the contact. So I've got to pre prepare a little bit of defence for him. But the fact that our medical staff on the sideline couldn't get on or didn't insist they get on is perhaps an issue. But more broadly, um, you know, the game needs to do this much, much better. And the game globally, because we in Australia are just one part of this massive, massive global movement. Mm. We can contribute, but we can't dictate where the AFL and the rugby league can, can act unilaterally a lot quicker and a lot easier. Andy, just before we let you go, and just while we're on the subject of clearing things up, I'm going to come out and say that Marvel Stadium is a shocking football venue. Not not as bad as the MCG, but still shocking. Um, now, why wasn't it held at... 27,000 there, I think, in the end. Why wasn't it held at Amy Park? I'm assuming it's purely for attendance reasons, but clearly provides a better atmosphere down the road on Olympic Boulevard there. Do you have a line of sight on this? Uh, I agree with your sentiment completely. And whilst we've had in the early... Earlier days, we had fantastic nights there with Melbourne Victory getting yep. great crowds. It, it still never really cut it. Um, it, it. It just got away with it, Marvel, but with Victory pumping, it just got away with yeah. it. Um, Amy's a much better venue. As Melbourne Victory has sort of indicated, they've gradually moved away from Marvel because of the rectangular nature of Amy. just suits football, soccer football much better. Mm. Why it wasn't there? Well, we're told it's because of renovations, necessary renovations for the FIFA Women's World Cup because right. Amy will be a venue. So so that's fair enough. I don't know why. I mean, we've been down there recently for A-League matches. Yeah. Um, um, I, know, I think the rugby mob played there last week. And if that's the case, whether it was the Rebels or Melbourne Storm, if that's the case, I'm not quite sure why whatever renovations had mm. to start uh, couldn't take place a few days later. It would have, in my opinion, it would have been much better uh, at Amy Park as well. Andy, great to have you on. I love it. I love it how you call it, uh, like you see it, and I think uh, the listeners appreciate that as well. So really appreciate your time again, mate, and have a great weekend. I appreciate you, Sam. Thanks, mate.